Welcome back to the Inside Wayne podcast and thank you so much for joining me again. Before I introduce today's incredible guest, I wanted to take a moment to thank you all so, so much for the support I've received on the podcast over the past year. Over the weekend, the podcast turned one and to say that the journey has been amazing is an absolute understatement. All of the feedback, listens, likes, shares, comments has been overwhelming and I cannot thank you all enough. But none of this would have been possible without all 24 of my incredible guests that I have had on over on the podcast over the past year. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode and I can't thank you all enough again. However, on to today's guest. I was joined once again by the sensational Anne Durham. Anne and I recorded her episode a few months ago, which I will leave in the show notes, and it was so, so well received. We decided to come together for another episode to celebrate Anne passing her board exams and also the podcast turning one. Anne is nothing short of incredible. And while we talked about her previous episode, we also covered different topics such as kissing fine, trips, bettings, sarcoids, advice for up and coming student vets, and much, much more. I really hope you enjoy. On today's show, I am overjoyed to be joined once again by the wonderful and um our conversation our previous conversation and was so well received and I'm so delighted to have you back on um it was something I never really anticipated uh with the podcast to get, get such strong connections and build relationship with and me and you have been back and forth um talking since your podcast has released and it received it received so many lovely comments from both sides and I can't thank you enough for coming back on and joining me again and not only do I have you back on but I have you back on and you passed your board exams (laughs) yes finally um thank you very much I am so happy to be back on like I, I genuinely I really enjoyed the last conversation and it was um it was absolutely fantastic. I got some, like you said, it was really well received and I kind of wasn't expecting, like, I, I genuinely didn't think it was going to be that well received. Like it's just me talking about work. But um, I had some really lovely comments coming in from vet students and clients and stuff that wouldn't, you know, they were just, they had listened to it, really enjoyed the podcast. And I think it, they saw a side to veterinary that maybe they, not, they didn't necessarily realize. Um, and a lot of vet students got in touch just to say it was really nice. I, even some of my friends and um, colleagues have gotten on and were like, God, at least you actually said what we were thinking, you know, that it's not just plain sailing and everyone's not just going out there and doing fantastic. And as I said before, like Instagram does lead into that kind of, you know, Instagram versus reality. Instagram makes it look like everything goes slick 100% of the time, it all goes well. And reality is just far from that so <laughs> like even me sitting my my boards like you know I took a couple of goals getting those board exams so not plain sailing I'm not the only one who's had to go back and repeat and you know as my boss said to me and my you know Jer and Tom like it doesn't matter how many times it took you to sit them like you know it's made no odds you yeah. still worked as a surgeon but even just sort of people realize like it's just you know if you're struggling and finding it a bit difficult like that's veterinary but everyone goes through it yeah 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 and I think not only for uh vet students um I think one of the feedback um one of one of the um comments that I got was from a dressage writer Vicky Campbell that had actually gotten on to you about doing veterinary and that just it was just incredible that 
a, a simple conversation between the two of us had led her to taking a career path you know what I mean and I guess like very grateful to our mutual friend uh, Karen that uh, got us in touch um, but I think the overall awareness of you know how long it takes to become a vest but not only you know when you become a vest and then you are a vest the 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 realities of it and of course there are the good days and stuff like that but I hope that, that horse owners have a new appreciation for a vest and everything that they go through in terms of getting of getting there to be a vest but also the daily struggles of uh, continuing your job if that makes sense. Yeah absolutely like it's um, and again, I, I, I suppose I'm tipping on a lot of the stuff I said last time as well, but like, you know, it's it's a hard job at the best of times. Like when it's going well, it's going fantastic. And I am very, very lucky to work in a clinic like here. We have such fantastic clients. You know, we, we deal with very, from all aspects and all walks of life, you know, dressage, eventing, racing, show jumping, pleasure riders, you know, we, we and trotters and pacers, like we cover, we get a lot. And, you know, we've got very high levels and, and lower levels. And so I'm very lucky at the, the horses that I'm allowed to deal with. Um, and so, like I said, if they're going well, that's fantastic. But when that's not going well, that's a lot of pressure. And, you know, when, when that's going bad, it's going bad. So um, just from even again for students um, coming through and uh, current vets and that, like, it's normal to have bad days like you know I, I come in here on a weekend and I have like I've gone through some weekends again where I am on top of the world coming out on the Monday morning having felt like I've saved lives the whole weekend and then the next weekend I'm on call I feel like I've killed everything you know I've had horses tank or you know fracture of, like I've had one where the leg blew apart like it's just you know and 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 it's just to remember those are bad days but it does get better like it just you know you just have that's just life that's the way it is with animals unfortunately it can't always be the highs Mm -hmm. there are the lows obviously that have to come with it yeah 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 no I think it um I think um our conversation and even you know after having been on the phone to uh you know a few times as well it's just it's your honesty and your vulnerability is so appreciated um and in our conversation and even after we were talking on the podcast and I guess like I just want to say a massive thank you for for coming on and yeah continuing to 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 share the 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 ups and the downs because it's it's not easy but it it is very much uh, appreciated and I guess for today's conversation, um, it's a very exciting episode because uh, <laughs> this episode is released on the first birthday of the podcast. Um, you can probably Ooh. hear me getting a bit emotional. <laughs> yeah, um, this is fantastic. I know this is, and congratulations! Like the podcast going from strength to strength. Um, so, like, absolutely well done, and congrats! It's a huge achievement. So, you know, you deserve all the credit. Like, it's you've got and it's an incredible concept because it covers every aspect of equine work like it really does it's it's so complimentary because your listeners are getting every aspect you know you're getting your riders 
you've got physiotherapists, you've grooms, you, you know, you've myself on as a, as a vet, like it's just, it's excellent. Thank you. Um, last week about you coming on for the for the first birthday, and just a pure chilled, relaxed conversation, celebrating you getting your exams and the podcast being one. And I guess the main thing for today that we wanted to cover, um, we had put out, I had put out a suggestion box, um, about what people would like to ask you the most, and. One of the things that came up, and even I had a podcast last night, one of the things that came up was uh, sport horse vetting and <laughs> x-rays. And I think we had had a voice note earlier and we were kind of talking about um, the phrase of, are people buying the horse or are they buying the x-rays? So from a veterinary point of view, um, I guess with, uh x-rays and bettings and stuff you know is it an increasing demand for horses to have foot perfect x-rays you know are people honing in on too much on the x-rays and i can appreciate that you have to come from your point of view and then obviously the buyers come from their point of view but what are your opinions kind of on sport horse bettings and x-rays kind of these days with people demanding so much more yeah it's a really good question because the problem is, you know, we're now in an environment where, where it's very litigious and like the amount of lawsuits and that that have been brought up over vettings and stuff like, so people are being uber cautious and including the veterinary profession, like we have to be very careful about what we're saying is a sound horse to sell. Um, but in saying that, like, yes, I am a big believer in um, you, you are examining the horse you look at you're buying the horse and not the x-rays that would be my opinion for the most part now i would never buy a, I, I wouldn't be spending money on a horse without getting at least basic x-rays like i do think it's warranted and justified um for certain and we like depending on what you're buying for like so obviously this is sport horses like but if you're a racehorse we're going to look at certain different there are different lesions that we're going to look for and different x-rays we're going to specifically go for but for your sport horses like I would definitely, I'm always, I need the front feet, definitely. I need at least two, three shots of them. And I always want um, x-rays of, like we usually recommend laterals of the fetlocks, all four fetlock joints, um, just to make sure. And then if we see anything suspicious, we take further x-rays. Um, and then I would recommend full views of the hocks and uh, two views of the stifles. And that's kind of where I would stop. Um, it has become the norm or it is certainly becoming requested by buyers and sellers to x-ray backs okay. i'm not a fan of this at all um like I, as i said the last time my thesis was on uh, kissing spines in in racehorses predominantly but you know the studies are there that have said that if you x-ray 100 horses in the yard 75 to 85 percent of them will have kissing spines more than likely on their x-rays, but will have no clinical issues, no clinical signs. So in that respect, like we don't go around cutting those bones out or cutting the ligaments because those horses are clinically fine. So for me, I personally wouldn't, I don't recommend, like it's not on my hit list of things to do to look for in a vetting. Now, if the animal on a clinical exam has like, has lost muscle over his, back so the there's muscle wastage or he's painful 
to palpate along his back. And then yes, I I would interpret, I would say, look, I think we should x-ray. And if he's got clinical signs of clinical signs plus um radiographic changes, then I would be that would be concerning to me. But I don't do it as a standard unless there, unless something is pointing to it when I do the, the vetting or the clinical exam of the animal. Um, but you know, and again, moving away then from kissing spines, you're going back. So not just because there's a chip in a joint does not necessarily mean that horse is not a viable animal. Like some, again, that's why your vet is there to um, interpret and kind of give you the best, um, I suppose, prognosis down the line. So there are some chips that you might get in the front of a fetlock joint that are really not a big deal. Now, they may never cause an issue. Some, some people will leave them. Like you'll see this a lot in older sport horses that maybe they'll just find them randomly on the x-rays, the screening x-rays, but they've never actually had a problem with those joints. Yeah. And in that case, like if, like for me, if I was buying a horse for, you know, 15,000, then, you know, an extra 1,500, I'd have banked sort of set aside in my head that, okay, well, I might need to take that chip out if I want to clean uh, clean up the x-ray if the horse is sound and you decide to buy it based on that but again it depends like if you if there are other different types of chips and joints and that that you you would not be happy buying a horse you know there's a, the prognosis would be worse um or like picking up navicular syndrome on feet like that would be a big red flag for me i i wouldn't be buying a horse that i'm concerned about his navicular bones that's you know that's ask for me personally would be asking for trouble so while Yes, I definitely think the majority of my my clinical or my vetting should be based on the animal standing in front of me, um, and bear. And then obviously you take your screening rads, but you you have to interpret them with the animal. You know, a chip, as I said, a chip in the front of a fetlock joint. If that joint is tight, the horse is sound, doesn't flex, um, doesn't it isn't sore after flexion, then you know more than likely that that's not an issue that that chip probably won't be an issue especially if this animal is already in high level work you know when he comes to do the vetting um, and that's why and that kind of leads on then if that's the case always so there are different levels of vetting like you've got your five stage and then what they call like a two stage or you know and then there's also like kind of the private ones where people are buying horses say for maybe less than a, than ten thousand, so they don't want to spend like a vetting can cost easily up to a thousand euro between you know scoping bloods X full x-ray sets you know the whole and what I would always recommend no matter how little money you want to spend always 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 pay for bloods get the bloods taken always like we store we will store bloods here at the clinic um for our clients if they just if they're just getting bloods taken and they're not doing a full vetting it's our recommendation because it's something you can always go back to so if that animal becomes crippled in the next four weeks six weeks, eight weeks after buying it, you know, at least you have the bloods. You can go back and ring your, your clinic and say, listen, I need those bloods tested and make sure that the, that animal wasn't on something when he arrives for the vetting. Because that would be obviously, you know, that's a, a reason for be, to be able to return your animal. So that'd be my big thing for the vetting. Um, but again, the back thing, going back to that then, um, that's a big, that's a kind of a polarizing topic. It always has been and will be because have enough information um i currently i'm going i'm looking into doing some further research in younger animals about it but like at the moment we don't know when they develop this these kissing spine lesions um and 
we know even less about why it's there or why it's you're seeing it in some animals versus others so there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, and people have sort of made very polar judgments on it I think without the the real research to back it up I think with the um with the kiss and fine thing you know in terms of it being polarizing um I I do feel it's kind of become a kind of a bit of a trend you know and everybody thinks that animal needs surgery but I do appreciate you know you just clearing the water and saying that if the horse isn't showing clinical signs and it has kissing fines it's not something that you need to go and spend surgery on you know and even in terms of like the vetting how you know you, you explained right it, it must get blood done and then your baseline x-rays because I think for people selling horses you know if it does have a chip or if it does have small little things it's an automatic fail and then you know any buyers have just left left the horse you know it's a very hard position for buyers to be in if it does have a chip but it's not bothering them you know you feel that people are less likely to take a chance on it unless it has perfectly clean x-rays yeah and I think um again like you know trust your vet if you're going to go and get a vetting done um I think yes now, obviously, you know, if you're worried or concerned, you go back to your own vet and say, look, can you have a look at these x-rays? Tell me what you think. Um, or you get them, like, you know, you send them to a referral center like the likes of ourselves or Troytown or, you know, anywhere else, um, Angsty and that, you know, ask someone there to have a look at those x-rays and see, look, would this be a cause for concern for you? you know, going, if, if I were to buy this horse, is this something that you think warrant, definitely warrants a surgery? Or do you think, um, and sometimes that's just an extra bit, you know, it's a bit more helpful for buyers if they're a bit confused or unsure, especially, I always find like, it's very tough for a client where they found the horse of their dreams and they don't have a clean x-ray set. And they're, you know, it's very hard for them. It's because as I've said, not just, just because they have a chip in some joints does not necessarily mean they're a write-off for buying. Yeah. Depends. depends on the level the cape like the level that they're going to go at you know you have like and that's also sort of like crucial for the vetting and for the vet that's interpreting the vetting is that you know is this animal going to go and do you know jump a 90 centimeter track and do it like you know once a week maybe for the rest of his life and do little pleasure hacks and that or you know that's entirely different what they need from that pony is going to or horse is going to be entirely different to say what a grand prix show jumper is going to need from his horse you know you, you, you know there's a margin of of state of um safety i suppose maybe might be the wrong way to put it but you know you're a, a pony like like the low grade um level is going to have is going to get away with a lot more i suppose than yeah. your high level animal um but definitely it's something that buyers should really engage with their vet about what they want and like to be honest I think most vets will will, will have sussed this out anyway from either the depending on the seller or the buyer what is what is the goal of this animal yeah 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 I say vetting for purpose yeah exactly exactly so it, it's there it's a fine art to it like vettings are not easy and as I said like vets have to be very you know we have to be careful you know the big thing actually another big thing aside from I suppose backs are a big thing because it's become the topic you know everyone is obsessed yeah. with 
back pain in horses and you know kissing spines and that and um personally i do not really go down the route of back surgery until either i have a horse that's definitely improving to medical management that um is refractory so it keeps coming back and the physios know like the physio's not really working anymore and the medical management's not working then yes then i consider doing surgery but I typically keep them, you know, I'm not running at these horses with scissors or, or scalpel blades. Um, uh, and the other thing then that's tricky is, is, especially I find selling, if they're selling to England and UK buyers and that, um, sarcoids, suspicious of sarcoid lesions on horses. That is a big, big thing. Um, like, and it's so, so hard, like, because you have to be very careful about whether you can see, like, you know, we have to be careful. We need to make sure that we can palp them and we're, we're not missing potentially say scarring. But again, is a scar scar from a wound or is a scar scar from a sarcoid that's been removed? You know, it's, that's also equally, you know, there's no right or wrong. As far as I'm concerned, like I'm not going to be able to say that hundred percent that was a sarcoid. I can give an idea or I'd be suspicious based on where it is or the scars might be. But can you prove it? Is and the answer is no. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with, with the vetting, like it, you, it, it's a fine line, and it, it's not an easy position for you to be in. Do you know what I mean? In in terms of making that call, and sarcoid is something that we've spoken about. Um, in terms of like my interest in it, and even on your Instagram, um, you've shown different sarcoid um surgeries. So I guess for um, you know, breaking sarcoids down, what are they and why are UK buyers or, or, or um, American buyers or any buyers at all so against them, afraid of them, might not want to buy a horse with them? Yeah, no, like, and this is, I actually had a client in today who was, who had never, like, she was a very lucky uh, woman, like, who's never, she's had sport horses all her life and never had a, an issue with sarcoids. This was her first horse. And completely novice about it she was like I just said I've never had them I was like she was just she was asking the same kind of question so first off there are six essential I, I don't know I'm I'm holding up my hand with five but I mean six so there are six <laughs> um, six types of sarcoids so there's what they call occult uh, varicose nodular and I would suppose nodular is nearly the most commonly seen one or personally I would find coming to the clinic anyway then you've got ulcerative um, and then a mixed kind of type and then what they call a malevolent type, which obviously is, well, the name suggests malevolent. They're, they're really nasty ones. Um, and I would say also the ulcerative ones are quite, they're, they're kind of, they grow out, they're really red and ulcerated, they're really nasty looking lesions. So um, for us, the, um, the main thing I suppose is, the, the big re issue with these and why clients don't want either they don't want to buy them is because you're just not sure are they going to come back this is the big issue with sarcoids is treating them um at the moment i suppose the kind of thought is that this is related to bovine papillomavirus it's been found in the skin of these animals with these lesions um in horses now whilst and that's in so that's not in every not in all horses skin but in ones that are affected with sarcoids but that virus is also found in the normal skin tissue of the same animal 
So there's multiple issues as to why this. So I suppose more than likely that's why we, we typically see them after, say, a wound um, or like a scratch or cut. It seems to be something else initiates it. And then this papillomavirus seems to start it off. That's kind of the thought process at the moment, but there definitely seems to be genetic predisposition for it too, because right. um, like we see them, uh, we see them in like sport horses quite a lot, um, and you can see them in very young animals. And there's some that are very systemically overwhelmed. Like you, you'll see them; they could have nine, ten, fifteen, twenty different sarcoids all over their body. And there definitely seems to be either a poor immune response or the animal just doesn't seem to be able to mount an immune response and they, they just seem to just blow up everywhere. Those are the animals I'd be really concerned with because the chances of them coming back would be quite high. And then equally, like I don't think, I don't think I've ever taken a sarcoid off a, a, a standard bread, like a trotter horse, I don't think. And I think they're very unlikely to develop in them. I am, you know, and same with thoroughbreds, not very typical to see them. You'll see them on thoroughbreds, but again, you, you see them, I, I deal, the ones that I'm getting are definitely more sport horse or, you know, half-bred kind of um, animals. Um, and as going back then, the big thing, so this, this issue is the recurrence rate. That's the problem, getting them. Um, and again, like the nodular ones and the occult ones, not, you know, if they're in the right if they're not in awkward spaces, you can near, sometimes you're nearly better off just leaving them alone. Because once you go yeah. at, at a sarcoid, you can induce it to become quite nasty. Mm. You know, and then they can become very proliferative and then you might regret that you ever went near it to begin with. So yeah. unless it's in an area where it's causing a problem, so eyelids definitely need to come out. Um, or ones in around the girth or where they're rubbing in along their inner thighs or something like that those ones definitely need to come away or if you're selling like see this said if people want to sell their horses on you know they want rid of them so but then i suppose you're getting into a questionable kind of ethically should we be taking sarcoids off if they're normal and not causing an issue but you're only removing them so that they're not there for selling on you know that's an ethical question to, <laughs> that you know yeah um, but sorry, now I've gone rambling about this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like that's, this is the issue with sarcoids that they, they'll come back and there's so many different ways to treat them. Um, and we, you know, we do try a lot, like there's very much what, what uh, vets can do in first opinion to practice, but then there's what, you know, obviously then they have to come back in possibly to referral centers for um, more aggressive surgical therapy. So what I'm talking about is you can, you can use topical creams. Um, we used to obviously have the Liverpool uh, Derek Nottenbelt's cream. That's not, I've, I don't uh, even, yeah, I've heard of that. I don't even think that's licensed for use in Ireland anymore. Um, and that is very, in fairness, that cream works fantastic because it's, it's prescribed out for a specific type of sarcoid. One, you have to get it, you have to have these diagnosed before the cream is being prescribed to you. Um, oh. And then you get into either, you know, first opinion, um, they'll band, band them and, and leave the band, the rings on and, and they'll fall off. Um, personally, not a big fan of that. Now, being a surgeon, I'm always going to pick a, you know, surgical method most of the time. But I just find the banding, um, I, I, I just find the bands are on for a while, get 
quite a lot of swelling and they can be quite painful like so that's my and especially they they'll only really work for the ones that you can get a you know little stock on and you can get the band up high enough um yeah for me personally the best way would be uh laser resection i think the laser removal and then injecting i i do inject a chemotherapy drug in around the margins if i'm concerned that i haven't got wide enough margins um i do find that probably the best technique for minimizing the chance of recurrence but even with all of our techniques that we have we're still seeing you're still your your the research there is still saying that you have a success rate between 15 and 100 percent depending on which technique you use and even across the board with the techniques you know there's a huge variability in the success and again a huge variability in whether you're going to get recurrence and at what stage do they recur like some of them unfortunately have excellent um is an are excellent at treating them but you're seeing six months later they might come back um and then unfortunately the really big uh, i suppose the the radiation therapy ones are fantastic but the cost that goes with that is astronomical compared to obviously maybe banding them or cutting them off standing or lasering them off standing um so that's why sarcoids are just a minefield for clients and i it would be something i would be if i was going to buy a horse now granted i i have access to laser i could laser my own sarcoids off my own horse if i wanted but i <laughs> and i would still be reluctant to buy an animal with multiple sarcoids just I, I just wouldn't be keen on it recurrent is definitely the, the the biggest word there that everybody is just on the, you know, i've heard of it people um pushing the rings on them and is there a chance that even if the ring is on them that there could still be some length that you're not a fan of it and i suppose to highlight that to not put rings on them you know is there a chance to that there's still some kind of left in under the skin yeah yeah no no that's a really good question and like i'm not saying ringing is is bad for them or anything like that i just as a surgeon i'm obviously going to recommend surgery um i yes there is a chance um and it, it's hard you have to remember like you're pulling like to get the rings on you need to pull the lesion away from the skin so that you can get you know the ring on high enough um bear in mind like horses don't particularly like you know these are sometimes these are sore lesions so you don't exactly want you know and they're in they're always in bad spots like they're usually on their inner inner stifles you know in around their prepuce their sheath um you know in under their, their armpits you know they're not ideal spots to go trying pulling on skin and getting the rings on so for sure i've definitely had a couple where they've had to come back the rings work excellent you know the, the big lesion is gone but it's, it's left nearly like a knot of tissue there under the scar itself. So I've had to go back and, and revise a couple of them. Um, not many, most like, again, I'm seeing, you ha always have to remember that I'm only like, the referral centers are seeing these cases, you know, just because we see, I, I don't know, like we do an awful lot of sarcoid surgery here, but um, you have to remember we're getting the ones that have gone wrong, whereas probably 90% of them 
are absolutely fine by the the, the first opinion vets are doing doing them and have no issues. So we're only seeing like that ten percent or so that come to us. But it makes you know, and just to remember that the majority of these animals do very well when they're treated uh, at home, either with like topicals or um, the rings. But we get the ones that are more sinister, more um, sort of vicious or nasty kind of lesions coming back. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that just raises awareness for people more and I suppose give an understanding as to why, you know, people might not be so inclined to buy something with with sarcoids because of that uh the, the reoccurrence kind of um factor. And going back to um the vetting and the x-ray, one of the questions that came up in the suggestion box was a lot of um, bigger farms that they were selling um, young horses or even individual um, sellers would often have a set of x-rays, you know, so you see the ad um, comes with a set of x-rays, maybe if they have an in-house vest or something like that. And the question was that if you were approaching um, this seller to buy the horse, do you kind of take that x-ray with a pinch of salt and get your own x-ray done again? Or do you kind of um, just trust those x-rays completely, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a really interesting one because, yeah, like a lot of the studs in Kentucky and here, you know, we screen an awful lot of our yearlings and that, you know, make sure we're not missing chips or anything that could be causing a problem down the line with them. So we screen all of ours. Um, it's an interesting one because um, you want to hope that studs and the vet that is doing those screenings like that they're not mislabeling animals and I to be honest I would be really shocked to find that vets are switching names or anything like that or you know putting up wrong x-rays or anything you know but again if you're in depends on what you're spending like if you're only spending a thousand you know a couple of thousand maybe it's probably not even worth getting another set of x-rays or you know you might just say listen it's a couple of grand I'm happy to go ahead but if I'm spending a significant amount of money or what I would deem a significant amount of money on my horse, I probably would get some sort of screening shots if I, again, it just depends. And it also depends on when those x-rays were taken. There's no point having a look at those x-rays if they're four months, you know, from the vetting. Um, and again, this is where, you know, the looking at the animal is a big thing because if you go in and say, God, that horse is a really puffy looking hawk. But his hawk x-rays are apparently fine i would be definitely getting an x-ray of that at least you know to make sure yeah. that's where again you're looking at the horse and not the x-rays just because an animal has a clean set of x-rays doesn't mean there's not something going on in the joint not to freak out buyers or anything like that but you know there are soft you know plenty of horse get soft tissue injuries like you know stifles they'll get meniscal issues uh cruciate tears that's stuff that might, you know, you might not pick up on your x-ray. But if the horse has got a big, you know, if he's lame and he's got a big puffy stifle, then that warrants something else. You know, you need to, that, like, more investigation. See, x-rays, just because you get a clean set of x-rays does not mean that animal is going to be 100% sound and you're fine. Um, and like I said, I'm going to reiterate, I'm not trying to scare buyers, but yeah. just be aware that, or other other things can go on as well 
I'm literally putting my thumbs up to Anne there because that is just so important for people to hear and just you know hearing conversations and talking to people it's all this hype about clean x-rays clean x-rays clean x-rays and I am so happy that you said because of hype next it does not mean there isn't going something isn't going to go wrong and I appreciate you know we are not trying to scare monger people but this is why I wanted to have you on and it's to just reiterate to people that you know it's look at the horse but also don't get so hung up on a horse with a chip in terms of write it off but also don't get so hung up on a horse that has a fully clean set of x-rays and you can just hop on and go out to start box and everything's going to be as, as right as rain. Yeah, exactly. And like a, another big thing, again, like your vet, if he's going in to vet the horse, should will comment on this stuff. Confirmation to me is critical. Like that's a big red flag for me. Some, you know, you want to make sure, again, because like, as I said, you know, with the star quiz and that, like this, getting some of this stuff right whilst it might look um like in particular poor really poor foot confirmation to me is I get really concerned about that because that's not a quick fix it might seem Osher oh, just needs some shoeing and it'll be fine but you can't just uh like Rome wasn't built in a day you can't just cut like if you've got a horse with really long toes and no heels like sitting on the back of his heels you know his angle is all wrong that puts all this extra pressure and strain on the backs of the, the feet and in along the soft tissue. You can't just trim the foot right back and expect him to be fine. Like you won't, you can't adjust the mechanics that quickly. You have to do things gradually. So you're looking at potentially then you have to think, okay, well, I might need remedial fabric where you might need to have pads put on, toes rockered back. You know, that might have to be done two, three times every four to six weeks. You know, if you have to do that on four feet, that's going to be a hefty bill to think on top. Same with, and you may need, you, you know, some of that might need radiographs again to guide your farrier. Um, so that's something you really need to remember. And the same with the star codes, like whilst one or two is fine, but if you go down the route of treating them and then they're not, you know, your, your vet at home has tried treating them, they don't work or they get really nasty, then you have to come and see maybe us or, you know, then you're looking like again that's a big cost you have to put on top and some horses like we do most of our sarcoids removed standing um but there are a few there are still a finite group of horses where i am not going to stick my head between its legs to get never mind blocking it but never mind lasering it like you know i i have i i have no interest getting my head split open to take a sarcoid off a horse so you need to remember that that cost then can double if I need to knock that horse out because like I said I'm not I'm not killing myself to get a, a, a sarcoid off, off an animal yeah so, of course those are hidden costs that you might have you might necessarily think of when you go to buy an animal but have to, it has to be in the back of your mind that these things are, will cost so confirmation for me is critical because now feet you'll pick up on your x-rays you know you'll know when you x-ray them that they've got poor like they've got poor confirmation but equally horse with turned in toes or turned out, you know, that kind of confirmation can offload and overload different ligaments not down the leg. And that can be more of a problem down the line than what you're seeing. You, your x-rays might look fine, but 
you're overloading ligaments. That's again something that needs to be taken into consideration. And that I think um, is such a big uh, point for breeders. No, how no matter how big or small the operation is, you know, the foal at six weeks, you know, get a pair, start early, and you know they'll be able to get their investment from you know doing it when they sell them as two-year-olds or three-year-olds or whatever else because like you say and you mentioned actually in your first podcast um that you have a big interest in the foot and in the the kind of remedial farriery side of things um and I think it's it's the literal saying of we learned in pony club no hoof no horse but it's important for people that you know, people that are currently breeding or even young breeders coming in to get that sorted early so you don't have the turned in, the toed out, the, the cow hocked, the, anything like that. That, okay, yes, the x-rays might be fine, but you're putting strain elsewhere on the body, not only on the ligaments in the leg, but also further up the body as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, again, I do find most most studs are very proactive about monitoring their animals, their, their foals, because you've only got a short window where we can surgically intervene to help correct a very crooked animal. So that has to be done at certain stages of their, of their growing phase. So proactive places are in, they'll have their farriers, good farriers who help with, you know, either trimming or potentially putting extensions on. But, you know, they're very proactive because again, they know themselves these animals when they go to the sale ring or go to, to buyers if they're not right buyers are going to walk away from them for the most part for the risk that they could pose down the line if they've got poor confirmation now don't get me wrong that's not to say that horse with poor confirmation don't do well like california chrome was one of the greatest racehorses in north america but I don't think he was, I think he was bought for less than $10,000 because he was crooked. He had really bad front legs, you know? So they can still run very fast. But again, you know, if you're investing a huge amount of money, you're going to, those, those animals that are potential problems, you're going to walk by them if you're going to, if they're going to be, if you're going to be spending a lot of money on them. You know, it's not, sometimes it might not be worth the risk. Um, so ideally, yeah, getting, uh, from a breeder's point of view, I like most breeders, like I said, at this this day and age, they're very honest in terms of confirmation and that they're they're really quick to watch. Um, but unfortunately, when you're for your sport horse bettings, like you're typically buying them at an older age where the, what you have is what you have, you know, in yeah. terms of confirmation. So what you can do that from that point on is usually fiery work to try and help or correct something that's going on in the limb to aid it as best possible. Um, and unfortunately, then you have to remember that if that's the case, you may always then be needing a specific type of shoe or this type of barrier work, which is, you know, again, it's it's a cost thing that you need to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Even this alone, like when I came away from your other conversation, you know, I was, I was so bored and you know the awareness that you had given and now even today like you know just the awareness of of x-rays and bettings and you know the sarcoids and, and confirmation you know these are all such important points for people to go away and think about um and you know to just I suppose 
yeah, it's just it's just creating awareness about things when it comes to buying or, or, or selling animals. It's not just buyers, it's, it's selling them as well, like knowing what you have. And yeah, I guess, you know, for um, for up and coming vets in terms of the topic that we talked about, what advice would you have for, you know, up and coming vets kind of being in positions where, you know, they, they have to vet a horse for purpose and, I guess, like I mentioned, it's not an easy position for you to be in, but would you have any other advice for that kind of surrounding the conversation that we've had today? Yeah, I think like uh, vetting is like, it's a skill. It's a very, you know, you have to be quite skilled and you have to be, I would not be confident. I certainly wouldn't have been for the first two or three years as a new graduate going out and doing a vetting. You know, that would not, I think you're putting yourself in really, really murky waters. You, you know, unless like I really, I, I, I would stress that you shouldn't put yourself in that position because that is unbelievable amount of pressure. You know, you're better off sitting back and not doing those vettings until you're like over three years. And at that point, I would be saying, go out with, uh, go find a vet that does a lot of vettings, um, you know, a good vet like good vettings and um, go out and see see them in action and see how they work like we have got some fantastic vets here doing vettings like it and even for me now I I will follow them around because I I really you learn a huge amount from them um so I that would be my thing one thing would be like do not be doing do not be trying to go do vetting in your first couple of years out just no I'm not even sure if you actually can because um, I know in the UK you have to do a course before you can do vetting. I'm not sure what the, what the what way it is here in Ireland. I'm not sure you have to do. A, I I don't think that's a thing here in Ireland. Um, but it's certainly it's it's you need to have the experience before you go and do it because at the end of the day it does come back to you. You are the person signing off on this animal or not signing off on this animal. So you could either have two very unhappy, you could have an unhappy buyer and an unhappy seller, both come at you or one or the other. So, you know, I would, my, my main thing would be avoid them for the most part for new, for new upcoming vets and that, just avoid it. Go find, get your, get your experience elsewhere doing lame, like get confident doing your lameness, your general lameness workups and then go back and do the vettings and that. And, and when you're later on and you're a bit more established and that, and it, you've got the confidence and you know what you're talking about as well. Like, and that's not being an arsehole. It's just, um, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, because you have to interpret those x-rays. And like I said, that's where, if you're not sure you go and you ring, you know, you know, you, you go on to and find me or, or, you know, any of the surgeons in the country or, you know, friend, or not even surgeons, just very experienced uh, vets, equine vets who have the knowledge there or have the experience that they'll they'll be able to tell you, look, I'd be happy with those x-rays or I'm not happy with this for X, Y, and Z. But just don't, like, it's it's one of those things where, you know, when you walk into a room, you need to nearly know how, where's my exit? It's like being on a plane and they tell you where the exits are just in case there's an emergency. Like you kind of, for going into a vetting, it, it should be like that as well. Like you need to know where your problems could be. And like, if you don't know, if you're not one, if you can't, like you're not used to x-raying, then that's going to be a big issue. You know, same with scoping. 
um, you know, and if you're not confident with your lameness workups, then again, they're like, they're three big issues that you should probably like, that's not the time to be doing a vetting then, you know, go and get this experience with other people and then go and do it. I really, really appreciate um, that, that advice. And even though I'm not a vet, um, <laughs> I really, really hope that up and coming vets really do, you know, uh, uh, like not only like potentially apply that advice but think about that advice as well because like I've said so many times it's not an easy position for you to be in and you know like we've mentioned we're raising awareness and and raising awareness for what you do but also like what you go through as well um that advice I think is is, is really solid and I'm I'm so conscious of your time and I, I really do love chatting to you so much and I really appreciate your honesty in terms of talking through, you know, vetting and the sarcoids and all of that stuff. And just to uh, remind people again, if they want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I, I am working. I, I'm obviously working down in Feathered Equine Hospital now, so I joined the team with... Uh, Jer, Tom and Shauna, the other three surgeons. So we've now got, as I said, we've got a very uh, and a very balanced um, surgical team now. We're 50-50 men and women. Um, so that's a huge... Fantastic. <laughs> and then also, I obviously have my Instagram page. Um, and also just as a warning to my, like any potential clients that I only use images and that that I've gotten permission for. Um, just you know it's a big thing with clients and especially like we we have so many students coming through and um, the social media thing has kind of exploded over the last few years and um, I am very conscious of the fact that one we deal with very important clients here we uh, I like very big clients who would be you know a famous horse and that I don't I would never ever use it my camera doesn't come out at all for any of those kind of clients stuff like that but I absolutely I'll talk to you know, I, I, I do a lot of wounds and sinus surgery and stuff like that. So I do talk to clients about potentially using images from that. But even if I do use the images, you can't recognize the animal, you know, like, and I, and also I'm very conscious of the fact, like if, um, like say if a horse came in and fractured, um, had a fracture today, you know, I, I'm not putting them up on, um, social media accounts that, that evening or stuff like that. Like I've, my, a lot of my stuff, plus there's no point putting it up like you want follow-up like there's no point putting it up and going oh it looked great today and then like the next day the horse is like you know it blew apart or you know it's lame <laughs> so like you know um yeah. so <laughs> I it, it's just a comment because I, 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 I've become more aware of the fact that obviously more students and that follow like follow the Instagram page and that it's just to reiterate also to students and upcoming and new vets and that like you know very you know privacy is obviously hugely important that is and confidentiality absolutely absolutely and to re and again just covering covering my ass a bit and just re re like reiterating the clients that I ask for permission whenever I'm using an image or a video of something um so that clients aren't worried they're like I'm not bringing a horse to her she's going to put it up on her Instagram so it's just <laughs> yes 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 no I appreciate that and I appreciate the advice as well you know because it is it is a fascinating world once I got into your Instagram and I was looking and more and more vets were coming up it's definitely something for younger vets to be aware of you know ask and be aware of client confidentiality as well uh, or ask the owners and stuff like that 
yeah and also like pick your time to ask an owner or like a situation you know crying owners when you're telling them dreadful news that either there's a big hole in a lesion in a horse's leg or you know and he'll never run again or you know you know you're 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 retiring a pony for a client and you know there's children crying next to you not a good time to turn around and be like can I take a photo of this please you know or can I <laughs> I know it's not funny it's the way you're saying it no, but it is funny because there are like you know you do have to reiterate sometimes to like I've, I've had students pull out their camera and you're just like no 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 like just no um so we actually now at this point I, I run the externship program down here and it is now there's zero tolerance for phones on the yard absolutely no no phones in anyone's hands um now again I, I get that it's a bit hypocritical because I and I've told them it you know because I have the Instagram account there's a difference between me because I'm very conscious of what I'm putting up and what like client has obviously as I've reiterated what I've been allowed or given a, a, approval for versus a student pulling out and um, the uh, video and that and it's just so no we, we are we have zero tolerance for phones down here with our students okay love that love that it's and just the way that it's just the way the world has gone now like unfortunately like you know and everything taken out of context is you know and yes. especially you know and the, that's the real reality of being here is you know we we obviously we are there at clients worst times like animals worst times you know fractures really bad wounds times where just because of money we have to put an animal down because it can't they can't afford surgery you know so we are there for the worst of the worst um and equally like you know if we put an animal down and we have for some reason we have to do it within in the clinic you know because either the animal cannot be moved out of say out of a stable because it suffered a really bad fracture you know it'd be cruel to make it walk down to where we would normally put them down or put them to sleep so moving them is pretty you know it's not a pretty sight either you know to move an, a dead horse like it's not easy um so stuff like that taken out of context or or videoing an animal again like if you're videoing a, a fractured animal that's hopping on on a leg you know taken out of context taken out of context they are you know those images are dreadful you know yeah. so that's why we've you know we have to have a zero tolerance policy down here because um it, it and one it'd be just very distressing for clients and, and you know people in general as as it would in any you know same would it'd be same in human medicine small animal medicine you know there's a reason a, a, a certain type of person will go into veterinary or surgery you know in, in human medicine like most people don't want to see that stuff so they don't want to do it you know yeah 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 no i i i really appreciate um that side of things as well and I think it's important for any any vet but also I suppose other horse owners as well you know it's 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 it is you're you're in a very um you're in a very critical time in a in a, in a critical position and I think that again just raises awareness and I think it's great to hear something like that that there's a no kind of phone policy on the yard you know um and and i and i hope people go away from this really kind of thinking about it and respecting that as well yeah absolutely um like 
like I said, you know, we obviously we are a teaching hospital at the same time too, but um, and there are times like we will, you know, there's times when we will say to to interns for, or, and students because we are either we need to video stuff to show our clients and be like, look, this is actually the type. Like again, I'm after having two sinus cases today, really nasty purulent discharge coming out of them. I asked the guys to video some of the, the discharge so that I could show to the clients then what was actually going on in these sinuses. So obviously, yeah. we, you know, so obviously we do, we do need to use, it's great for documenting stuff, but again, um, not, not to be going up on, you know, social media either and, and being thrown around the place out of context. Um, but it's it's kind of a heavier note to kind of end on. I was just about to say, like it's just um, like, uh, yeah, it's just it's just the way the world has gone now, and we just have to be very careful with everything. But it's not even a heavy note because it it is unfortunate that it's it's the way that the world has gone, and I do appreciate that. You know, you you said yourself you have to cover you have to cover your ass a little bit, you know, <laughs> and I, I I guess I think massive respect to you Anne and I think so many people have not only commented on how you know fascinating your journey is you know you you mentioned before that you took the scenic route and stuff like that but I really do think people can really appreciate your 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 honesty and your your openness and I think you know it 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 made for such a wonderful podcast in your first episode which is why I wanted to have you back on again and you know to to celebrate not only you passing your board exam but the the, the first birthday of the podcast and I I mean I'm sure I'll have you uh, back on again and if anybody has any kind of particular topics for um for us to discuss it can be anything uh these were just topics that we had jumped together and kind of thought back and forth about them to areas that I was fascinated in and also uh, conversations I had with friends. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. And as always, I'm very grateful for your time. You know, you, you've, you've had a full day of work and you came on and you spoke to me and yeah, thank you so much. You are very, very, very welcome. And I will, I'm more than happy to come back on anytime. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's any topics that listeners would like covered in particular from anything like to be honest I think they can gather from the two of us we'll sit here and talk about really anything if we wanted to <laughs> so um yeah no look thank you very much um it was it's always a pleasure to, to just to sit down and chat to you because it's actually it's just very it's a very easy going it's just a chat like you know um and I would just say yeah sure and if there's anyone who wants to um, if they have any direct questions that they didn't really want to, you know, by all means, they can message myself or yourself. Like I, I've had a few people go through the Instagram account to, to talk about specific things. So that's fine. Um, yeah. Anyways, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I'll leave your um, social media handle anyway in the, in the show notes and also a link to your first episode, which I highly recommend people go and listen to. <laughs> it's a great story, yeah. Um, thanks very much. And congrats again on on the one year anniversary. I think that's a smashing achievement. So. Thank you.